All right, my friends. You are now stuck with me. But we're going to have fun. Did everybody sleep good? Yeah. Or at least a little bit? Some of you are probably like, I miss my bed. My kids are grown. I now sleep. But then others of you are like me. I have four kids. They're not little anymore, but I still don't sleep very good. But I've been sleeping great because they're in a different room this week. And, you know, I told them they can't bother me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, this morning, my friends, we are going to be tackling a heavy topic. I felt really um, burdened this morning, not in a bad way, but more so heavy because the things we're going to talk about, just the topic of obedience feels heavy. Anybody else feel that way? It feels a little bit like, oh, I now feel like a seven-year-old kid and I need to hide. Like, I'm not sure... Are my parents going to respond with grace? Am I in trouble? I know I'm not perfect. What's going to happen? But my hope for you this morning is that we can dive through it. And I have some really cool things to show you in scripture. And the hope is that you leave here not just hope-filled, but that you feel free. Because the point of obedience isn't to make us feel afraid or ashamed or like we have to hide from God. But the point of obedience that God has for us in his word, for every disciple of Jesus, is that we would live a free-filled life. And so if you guys want to join me, I'm just going to have just a time of reflection. I know it's a busy morning. You probably got three cups of coffee, five cups of coffee, whatever it is. It's been busy. You walked here. I want to have just a second just to check in with ourselves, and we're just going to pray just to remember who God is before we tackle some of these hard things. So pray with me just for a minute. If you guys just want to join with me in taking just a really big, deep breath. Where did you see God this morning? And if you haven't seen God yet, where do you want to see God today? Invite him. Like we learned last night, he desires for you to come to him. Invite him in. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that it is in your person, it is who you are to give us grace upon grace upon grace. And you are full of mercy and forgiveness. You are everything love. That even when we tackle this topic and this idea of obedience, that it is not outside the realms of everything that you see us to be as your child of God. And you desire for our, our life, which is you just want to be with us. And so we acknowledge that right now. We hold our hands out to receive. Not just to know more of who you are, but that it would go from our mind to our heart to our hands, that we would be tra completely transformed. All 
the way through into what we do. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we ready? My name is Katie Fenn. I almost didn't tell you guys my name, which might be better. We could just not do names, and that's fine. But it is. My name is Katie Fenn. I'm from Southern California. I have four little kids. If you see a little kid here, one of them's probably mine because I have so many of them. Um, I am a wife. I have just resigned as a women's ministry director at my church, and now I am a mom full-time at home and have been obedient to laying down everything else that I was busy doing um, to teach my kids at home, to disciple them, and to fully just engulf in that. And so that's where I'm coming at you today, but we are going to be in Mark 6. We're going to look at a passage probably I would guarantee most of you have heard of. And if you haven't read it in your Bible for yourself, you've probably heard of the concept. And the story is Peter walking on water. Everybody heard of it? Anybody not heard of it? Now you get to. My ask for you is that you would somehow in your own way try to look for something in the story that you have never heard of. Because I, when I read this again, just studying and preparing, I had the opportunity of teaching this passage with my husband to our congregation, and now I get to teach it to you guys. But as we were studying for it, I saw new things in it. Isn't that so cool? How God's word, we could read it forever, and there will always be new things, that it's so alive that as we dig through it, there's something new. So I'm hoping that you guys can get a little bit of that this morning. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the whole thing uh, all the way from the front to the back. We're going to go through another one of the stories in Matthew, kind of see a different version, and then I'm going to break it apart. So Mark 7. I'm sorry, 6. You're right. You're the boss. <laughs> You're the boss. I'm just here. I don't know what I'm doing. You guys, I'm just an ordinary, ordinary gal. Mark 6, 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out, because they saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their heart were, was hardened. All right. So a lot of you have probably read this passage or heard of it as we talked about before. The definition of obedience, I made it up and I guess I can, you're stuck with me, is saying yes to God. As simple as that. 
saying yes to God. And we see the disciples do this multiple times. There's three things I want to talk to you about in this story. And it kind of breaks apart the different uh, processes of obedience because wouldn't it be nice if we were just like, all right, I'm ready to go walk on the water and then we go. But what we see in the passage is there was a very methodical, planned out process of obedience for the disciples' life. And did you know that G God has that for you too? That you don't have to just blindly be like, all right, I'm ready, and then hop out of the boat. That God actually has a plan of obedience that you would be changed and transformed. And then at the end, worship him. Even if you feel doubt. Isn't that hopeful? Because obedience to me makes me feel afraid. It makes me feel a fraud because I know I won't do it perfectly. And if I say yes to God, will I not do it perfectly? Will I disappoint? Will, will there be discipline? As humans, that's kind of what we experience, right, from parents and other parts of life. But I want to change a little bit of our view of how God desires to create obedience in our hearts, not to discipline us always, but to change us, to transform us, and ultimately that we would experience more of him. And so these three words that I just kind of found in this passage that really, I just learned so much, were condition, conviction, and calling. The first word that we see in this passage, with these ordinary people, I think it's important for you guys to know, I want to do a little backstory. So these disciples that were immediately getting in the boat are just ordinary men. Jesus called them and they said yes. It was their first step of obedience. Just ordinary men who are called. Jesus loves to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And this is how. Before they get to the shore where Jesus says, get in the boat, they actually were just at another place of feeding the 5,000. I'm sure you guys have heard that story. Where Jesus is collecting this huge crowd of people and more and more people are coming. Theologians would say 5,000 were just the men, but women and children were there as well. So there could have been 15,000 people there. And then Jesus looks at his disciples and he's like, these people are hungry, we have to feed them. And the disciples are busy looking for fish, looking for loaves. And what Jesus does is he does a miracle and he feeds all the people. I don't know about you, but have you, ever, have you ever been a server or have you ever served at Easter? And you're like, I am so tired. Like running around, you're like, here, this is for you. Oh, yeah, I got to go get your drink. And you're like running. So this is where the disciples are. They just fed thousands of people. They saw Jesus do miracles. They heard his prophetic words. They worship they they did all the things everything we probably did on easter and then they get to the edge of the boat and jesus is like hey i'm actually gonna go but you need to get in the boat i don't know about you but i'd be like wait can we take a nap <laughs> can we just pause i don't know what's on the water and you're not coming 
can anybody else row? Like, we don't have a plan. But this is where the first word, conditioning, comes from. You see, the disciples took small steps of obedience every day. It's in the small steps of obedience that it will lead you to big acts of faith. But it's in the small steps of obedience that your heart is conditioned to hear the voice of God. They knew Jesus' voice because they spent time with him. They knew that when Jesus said, hey, go grab this basket. I'm going to actually create this tiny amount of fish and loaves, and we're going to feed everybody. And they just did it. And step by step by step, they said yes. And it conditioned them. So then they get to the edge of the water. And he says, without them even getting to ask what they're doing, immediately get in the boat, and what do they do? They just do it. Have you ever wondered, how do you get to that point in your life? Because let's be honest, it's not easy to even hear the voice of God. What is God asking me to do? What is the next step? Can I hear him? Is that what he wants me to do? And I love to just Read this part of the passage because the disciples were just conditioned. It's not that in their heart they weren't like, Jesus, come on. But it was like their feet were ahead of everything else because they had been one step after another. This is what we do when we follow Jesus. And it was changing them. You see, God isn't asking you to be obedient to him in a perfect way without doubt. He just wants you to say yes to him, that he could be with you in it. Little steps of obedience. For the disciples, getting in the boat was another little step, even though they knew Jesus wasn't going to go with them. Um, I have this thing that I love to do, and a lot of people think it's weird. Uh, but now I'm in my late 30s, and I've just decided to be who I am. If you're not in your 30s yet, it's really freeing. I cannot wait till 40. Um, but when I was actually backtrack, when I turned 18, I decided I want to run a marathon. And then I fell in love with it so much that I ran a lot of marathons. And then I took a really long break when I had all the kids. And so now I'm about to run another marathon, but it's been about a decade since I've ran one. But the thing that I love about training and conditioning for the marathon is the conditioning. But if you've never ran a marathon before, you wouldn't know. Because you think it's the end of the race. You want the prize and the medal and the, they give you a massage and they give you all these things. You're like, I ran it and I ran it well, I finished. But as you start to condition and train, you realize, I'm actually in love with this transformation. 
And it's the transformation that you cannot fast forward. You can't push it and, and make it go faster. It's like when you decide to run a marathon, you're like, all right, conditioning starts. It's very planned. It's like, I got to go get the right shoes. And you study the shoes and you, you even go get your feet like looked at and they make a mold and then they tell you what shoes to get. And you're like, okay, okay, I'm committed. I got the shoes. Now what do I do? Okay. And it's these little steps, right? You tracking with me? These little steps of conditioning. And then you can't just go out and run. You have to start by walking. And if you go too fast, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to literally set yourself up for failure because you haven't conditioned yourself for bigger things. And so you start to walk and then you get a schedule and you're like, all right, I'm going to do my run my first five. And the first five miles that you ever run, you are, your mind is probably conditioning more than your body because the whole time you're like, I can't do this. What am I doing? I'm terrible. I bet I look terrible. What am I doing? My feet hurt. And the whole time you're doubting. And then you finish and on the schedule you're like, oh, the next five. You're like, but I can do it because I did it before. And the conditioning starts. And then there comes a point in this conditioning as you're preparing for the long distance where you know there's going to be pain, where you're preparing for it. And so what you do is you have this tape that you put around each toe because as you run, the friction of your toes going like this over and over and over again for hours will actually make your toes bleed. And you've never experienced it before, but you know it's coming. And so you wrap your toes, wrap your toes, each and every one. And then you can wrap right here because as your arms go like this. So you know and you've been conditioned to know what's coming. But you've never felt it before. This is exactly what the conditioning of an obedient heart looks like. It's in the little yeses that build upon each other. And you can't skip this step. You can't skip it. Conditioning is painful. Life happens. And we want to get to the finish line, right? We wanna, I wish I could just run a marathon without the, all the training and the conditioning and, you know, my toes bleeding and one of my toenails fell off. I don't even know if it's going to come back. I don't know where it went. <laughs> I looked in the shoe. I'm, I'm being serious. I looked and it wasn't there. I don't know. I don't know where it went. But there is a beautiful part about the conditioning that has happened in my mind of like, I'm strong. I had no idea. And I haven't ran a marathon in a decade. I'm like, you know, and this is what God does in your heart with those little obedient yeses. So I want to take a second for you guys just to pause. You all have a piece of paper in front of you. Grab that piece of paper. My hope for you guys, isn't that you leave this morning and you're like, those were really good stories. My hope is that you leave this morning not just with hope and a little bit more freedom and excitement to say yes to God, but a tangible piece of paper to remind you, just like we talked about in the conditioning, you have to have a plan. 
Because I could wake up every morning, I'm like, I have to run. Maybe I'll do three. It will never get me there. But I have to have a plan of how am I going to hear God's voice? I have to posture myself that way. How am I going to know if God wants me to slow down today and see somebody in the middle of my day? I have to posture myself like that today. It's in the little yeses that God conditions our heart. And so as you hold this piece of paper, I'd like you to first just close your eyes. Remember what we talked about as we started this morning of who you are to God. That in your honesty, when you think about obedience, if there is an ounce of shame that you feel, that is not of God. So we're going to take a minute of just being really honest. You can hide your paper from your neighbor. I don't care. But I want to take a minute And answer the question, what keeps you from immediately saying yes to God? Like the disciples on the shore, and Jesus tells them, I'm, I'm not joining you on this boat, but I need you to step into the boat. And they immediately do. Is it busyness? I've said this one before, but God, haven't you already seen? Don't you see what I'm already doing? Why would you ask me to do more? Is it the unknown? Of saying yes to God, you don't know what he's going to ask you to do? What if you're not good at it? What if you don't know how? You can write these down. No one's looking. God already knows. And while you write these down quietly, maybe God is going to start my hope to stir in you some examples of where you do need to start saying yes. Little steps forward of obedience. Maybe it's spending time with him. So that you can know his voice like the disciples. That even in a storm where you can't physically see him and you can't figure out what's up and what's down, but you know his voice. Maybe it's starting to pray when you've given up on it. If that's you, you should know that you are not alone. And that God always there waiting for you to talk to him. There is nothing you have ever done to make him not love you. And if your first step forward is I just want to talk to him, that's all he wants too. Maybe your first step forward is reconciling a relationship and you're like, I don't know how. I don't know how, but I'm going to step forward believing that you will show me. 
Maybe it's sharing your faith or building community. You know because you're getting to know God and posturing yourself to understand how he's made believers that they shouldn't be alone. And you want community, but it's scary. Maybe it's taking every thought captive or confession. There's something in your life that you know in your soul that you need to invite somebody else in. You need to confess it, but you don't know how. How do I bring it up? What do I say? Maybe this is your first little step forward. Just bringing it before the Lord. Could be generosity, controlling the tongue. Could be giving the Lord your anger. You have tried over and over and over again to rein it in yourself, and it's not working. And in your obedience, you need to say yes to God taking it and allowing him to control it. In Luke 16.10, it says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. The second word we see in this passage that I found, you don't see it in the passage, but I found it in there, is conviction. Conviction, the definition that I came up with again, is a belief to hold on. And this is where it gets hard. It gets hard for me because it's a challenge. They've conditioned their hearts to say yes to God, right? The disciples are now in the boat. And where do they find themselves? They find themselves in the middle of a storm. Can I be honest with you guys just for a second? And this is a scary one. Life happens. Life happens, and that's a really scary, out-of-control thing to get of over to God. But conviction, the obedience of conviction, is where the disciples grab the oars and they continue through the wind. We read it. They strain at the oars. They, their body changes. They have scars. They have sores. They have Everything in their body is trying to move forward because that's what Jesus told them to do. It's a new step of obedience that the only way that they got there was through the conditioning. Are you tracking with me? And life happens, ladies. It would be really great if I told you, hey man, just say yes to God and the storm, it won't happen. But saying yes to God doesn't mean the storms won't happen. Saying yes to God means it's conditioning your heart to see and know that Jesus is with you in the middle of it. That that's where the freedom is. That no matter what is happening, you are so convicted and wanting to move forward for what the Lord has purposed for your life that you're willing to change your body 
to lay it all down, to move forward. The wind was moving so much forward that they weren't even moving forward, but they're rowing. Have you ever felt like that? It's the conditioning that built in them the endurance and the perseverance to continue in their convictions. It's the conditioning, the little yeses, the knowing Jesus' voice, the spending time with him, the transformation that happens in the little yeses continue to give you the strength in the conviction. What are some of those convictions for you? Maybe you don't have them yet. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I want to share a quick story with you guys, but I don't want to go over because I have one more um, word that I want to share with you. Six years ago, God was conditioning my heart for something that would change my life. And he conditioned it so much so in a way that I knew he was calling me to it and there was no way around it. Have you ever felt like that before? You're like, everything I read, every conversation I have, like, he's not letting me out. And I want to hand it over to somebody else because I can guarantee you I will fail. I'm not going to be good at it. I'm not educated in this. He picked the wrong person. (laughs) And this thing he was conditioning me and my husband for is becoming foster parents. We had our daughter for two and a half years, and we rode, and it felt like we got nowhere, and I had blisters. I mean, my body changed. I got gray. (laughs) I lost a lot of hair, and there was this moment where a, a social worker called me. And my husband was at home, and she said, hey, so I need to let you know, very, very just informational, that your daughter's going to be moving out of your home and going to a new one. And I, I was her mommy for two and a half years, the only mommy she had ever known. And I'll never forget feeling like when I read this passage, it hurts me because I feel like I've felt that before. Where you're like, I'm looking around and I don't see you, God. You called me into this boat. You asked me to do this and my whole body hurts. And now what? Where are you at? Anybody else felt that before? You are allowed to be honest in that. And I'll never forget, my husband and I had a moment 
And I'm thinking, I'm losing my daughter. I can't breathe. I don't know if she'll ever be safe again in her whole life. And my husband looks at me and goes, hey, I, I know this is super weird. I think you need to go for a run. I'm like, what? <laughs> what he knew about me is that I hear God's voice when I'm running. And so I, we actually lived up here full time. And so when you go for a run, it's more like a hike. <laughs> I wasn't training for marathons then. Too hard. And so I ran out. You guys probably drove in this way. I ran out the Hume Road all the way to where I could see Kings Canyon. I mean, I was mad. You know when you're mad and you're like, I didn't know my body could do that. I'm mad. I had all the emotions of grieving and I remember I was, it was like I was just pushing. And I was making these noises, like, ah. Like, if somebody heard me, they'd be like, this lady's dying. <laughs> and I'm running up this hill, and I run until I can't breathe anymore. And I lean over like this, and as I breathe in, I say, I am so mad at you. And I'm talking to God. I didn't even know I could say that. And I run again, as hard as I can until I can't breathe. And I lean over and I'm like, where are you? Because I know that you love her as much as you love me. And I don't see it. And I'll never forget, I ran and ran and ran until I finally decided I should probably go back home because I'm not going to make it home <laughs> if I don't turn around. And as I went down my driveway, I heaved over, and I'll never forget, I heard God's voice. If you've heard his voice, it, it wasn't an audible voice, but I knew it was his because I've been with him so many times, and all I heard him say was, Katie, I'm with you. And if you are in a place of rowing the boat so hard out of conviction, and you look around and you can't find God, know that he is with you. And that it's in the conviction of obedience that you continue. And what didn't happen that day when I walked into my house is God didn't ch change the storm. He didn't stop it. He didn't stop it for the disciples either. Not in this moment. They're rowing. God's letting them expand every single ounce of their energy. And they're just continuing to go. Believing everything that they have conditioned their hearts to know about him. This is where the knowledge of God. We can know a lot about God. But at some point it's got to go from here to here. Transform to here. And if it never gets here, we haven't fully, as James is saying, matured. And that the storm didn't change. But what I did experience was intimacy with God. And so my next thing that I want you guys to know is obedience isn't that you do it perfect. 
Obedience isn't that he is going to keep the storm from you. How often is it you're like, oh, I was obedient. I said yes to God. I'm in this thing. There's a storm. I must have done something wrong. Sometimes that is true when sin is evident. A lot of times we'll go back to life happens, and this is a sinful world. And God uses it to draw you in to know him more. Ladies, don't be afraid of the storm. In a culture where we just want everything to be easy, we want to hide the pain that we have experienced, the scars, the scar tissue, the, the sores of rowing. We want to hide it all. We don't want to experience it. We want to look pretty and perfect, and, and we'll step into something. If we know we're going to do it perfectly, if we don't feel stupid, or if we don't doubt, or if we're not quite sure, we don't want to stumble. But I want to encourage you that in the conviction of living an obedient life, of gaining those scars, of pushing through what you know God has called you to, is going to give you the most beautiful intimacy with Christ. No one can take that moment from me of hearing God say to me, I am with you. Even when you yelled at me, all those things, even when you doubted, even when you know who I am, you know how much I love her. Even when you've seen it all, Katie, you know how this is going to end. You know eternity is coming. I'm with you. And so I want to turn. To Matthew. So this is the same story. A different account. So in the Gospels, it's the first four books of the Bible, if you didn't know. It's the account of Jesus' life, and this is the same story. So we're going to find right in the same place, but there's a little extra. It's kind of like when you play telephone with friends, and you're like, oh, everybody from a different side kind of got a different perspective or heard something different. All same things. You are all part of the same thing. This is what's happening. So Matthew. During, uh, hold on, where am I? 14. Matthew 14, 27. Excuse me, I didn't tell you that. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, one of his disciples, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why do you doubt me? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died. Then those who were in the boat, the other disciples, worshipped him, saying, truly you are the son of God. The last thing I want to share with you guys, and we're going to wrap up, the last word, the last piece of obedience I see here is calling. 
You see, we talk about this a lot in Christian cultures. What am I called to? What's my purpose? Where's God calling me to? And I think we need to flip it. You see, oftentimes we're like, oh, I see that. I'd be good at it. I think I'm called to. God, come on, let's go. When the reality is, what we see on this boat is Peter looks out into the storm. He hears Jesus' voice. He doesn't necessarily see him, and he says, hey, God, am I called there? And Jesus says, come on. You see how that's flipped? That the obedience is not you looking out to, into the world and being like, all right, what do I have to offer? Come on, God. Give me, give me what I need. But it's more so because, remember, the point of obedience is that you say yes to God, that you might know him more. If your calling isn't leading you straight into the arms of Jesus, it might not be the calling that Jesus has for you. And the best part about it, I don't want to miss it. Two more things, and I'm going to wrap it up. Peter didn't do it. I love that part of the story. Jesus already knew Peter was going to sink. He already knew. You know, he doesn't need you to do things on this earth. You know why he uses you? Just like a parent, I look forward. I don't want my kids to trip, but man, when they fall and I get to just hold them as close as I possibly can, this is what he wants. That he's not calling you to obedience because he needs you to do a bunch of his work. He can do that just fine. He wants more of you. This is what he wanted from Peter. And the second that Peter started to sink, he steps out of the boat. He's like, oh my gosh, I can't, what's up and what's down? It's dark. What if I didn't hear God's voice? Have you ever felt that? And you're in the middle of the storm, and you're like, was it him? <laughs> Maybe if I surround myself with more people to tell me they heard Jesus call me out here, then I'll be affirmed. But we don't see that. Peter's like, no, 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 no. And he doesn't even have to call upon the Lord, and Jesus is just like, no, I got you. I am going to ask you, why did you doubt me? You, I, you saw me feed the 5,000. You've seen me do so many miracles. You've seen me now walk on water. Fear can do a lot of things to us, ladies. But it will never separate you from Jesus unless you let it. And Jesus reaches his hand out. He stops the storm now, huh? Interesting. He could have stopped it when Peter stepped out. I think he wanted that intimate moment with Peter. And the best part about it, and we're going to end on this, the best part about it is they climb into the boat and the disciples worship him. And so where does our conditioning, conviction, and calling of obedience, of saying yes to God, lead us to worshiping him. It's in the journey, just like in training for a marathon. It's not necessarily the end of getting the trophy and being like, I finished. 
But God wants to be with you in the conditioning, in the, par- in the process. This is the part he cares about. He let us in on the end already. And so if you guys could just close your eyes with me. I want to read this passage over you. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on a cross. And so, Lord, I not only give you my own life and heart and mind and actions, but I lift these ladies up to you. Would you show us, even this weekend, as we walk out these doors, show us how we can take little steps of yes towards you. We desire that, not because we feel the shame of needing to do things for you, but because we want to experience more of you. God, would you make that a truth in our hearts, even when we don't believe it? We love you. We thank you that you want to have a relationship with ordinary people like us. I just pray a blessing over these ladies. Thank you for bringing them here this weekend, and I pray that as they leave these doors, they would feel free to say yes to you with the promise that you are always with them. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, ladies. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I'm a little bit of a challenger, so I have one more challenge for you as you walk over to the chapel. It's right out these doors. The restroom will be on to the left as you walk down the stairs if you need to use it. But my last challenge for you as you hold these papers, maybe they're tucked into your Bible, that maybe there's a time this weekend that you can share that with somebody. One of the most beautiful things that you can do that's really scary is having a moment of vulnerability of this. I really, I really felt like this is what God called me to do. I want to take these little steps. You may never see that woman ever again, but you will see her in eternity and get to share it with her. So be blessed. We're going to go right outside these doors and hopefully I'll see you around this weekend.